0: You are listening to Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslit. Now, here is your host, Cephas Crosslit. Hey everyone, how's it going? Um, Man, so what's going on and the reason why I'm doing all these episodes because I might be working a lot more on set on the TV show I work on more than I thought I was going to. So um just in case, I want to just put a little more, uh, a few more uh, shows out there. So episode seven. Man, that was quick. I've been noticing. Hey, I've been noticing some people listening. Thank you very much. Hey, I know I don't say this a lot. And I think I only said it once and it was at the end of the show. It's kind of irresponsible of me. But if you haven't already... Please subscribe if that's what it is with these podcasts. Do you subscribe to these things? Um, You get a notification or download. If you can, if you could leave a review of my podcast and share it with people you know who you think would love this podcast or maybe share it on your social media, that would get more listeners. You can help me with some of the ads. Um. And it will give me more kind of motivation and more drive to keep on making more episodes. So um, thank you so much for your support, by the way. Anyways, um, last episode, we talked about so much. Oh, my goodness. Um, one of the biggest things we talked about last episode was to let go. Letting go of your Christianity is letting go of the people. And when you let go of the people, it's hard to stay in the faith. And when it's hard to stay in the faith, it's it's all about absorbing right? And that's what I was saying. You got to absorb the word of God. you got to absorb the things that really make sense to you because you're wired in a certain way different from me. And the theologies that you are drawn to are much different than mine and anyone else's. And so it is your responsibility. It's not other people. And it's not about, oh, you, you know, if you don't do this, then your your soul is damned, you know, to hell. No, it's, it's up to you. If you're serious about it for yourself. And if the stuff that you've already been involved with doesn't make sense, you got to absorb it. You got to absorb it. It's not necessarily what I want to talk about. Um, The biggest thing I want to talk about, you know, when you leave your church, it is scary when you leave that spiritual family you've only known for years, maybe, or just the only one that you've only known. It's scary to leave, to jump off that ship, to get off that. And what I want to talk about is uh, just other things involved with that. Because I think it's, it's very important because, man, when I first left my church, I was the first one to leave in my kind of, I guess in the generation, the people that I knew, I was the first one to jump ship. And the church that I was involved with, this Pentecostal church, right? It was very extreme. It's very cultish. So in that sense, it wasn't too hard to leave. But at the same time, that is why it was even harder to leave. Because the church that I belonged to was very much a cult. And they would deny it. most, Most churches that are a cult deny that they're a cult. But they were a cult in my view, and there are de- many definitions, but, and, you know, there was a main leader, and he was the one that everyone looked to. He was the main reason for the church, the name of the image and the direction of the church. Everything was about this one guy, and this one guy had a f- bunch of kids that he adopted, and he, and all the money that came into that church, to, you know, he would – buy land he would buy houses he would take care of all these kids that he had and like it was it was a shit show okay am I able to say that is that going to make this an explicit I hope not and what I want to talk about is when you leave a church there is a certain thing that happens to people Um, and I want to Basically, it's basically it's like it's like a Stockholm syndrome. You end up cold, you, you do a lot of things to go back to that church, to go back to that family, the spiritual family that you had. You make up stupid excuses to go see them again when you know it's over. And I just want you to be very careful if this podcast is for you which means you have already heard the last six episodes including my intro I talk about a lot of stuff and a lot of that stuff that I talk about mainly has to do with you removing yourself from the Christian community that you belong to right now because deep down inside, the more deeper you ask yourself and the more honest you are and genuine you are with yourself about that group, about that church that you belong to or that faith community, you don't understand it. It doesn't make sense. And it hurts you, it pains you to face that reality. And you listening to my voice... And you're hearing the things I say, the gibberish I'm talking about in all my episodes. Yet you can't help but relate. Because it's true. There's a lot of weird stuff out there. And I just want you to be careful when you think that it's a good idea for you once you have broken your ties, once you break your ties with that church group or whatever that I'm talking about, I want you to be very careful because you're gonna to want to go back. You're gonna to want to go and be like, hey, just want to see how you guys are doing. Oh, it's the annual Christmas thing, right? Oh, it's the Thanksgiving, you know meal. Oh, it's a, it's a summer barbecue. Oh, we're just going bowling, right? And there's that temptation to keep going back. And it's okay because it hurts, right? It hurts. But I want you to be very honest with yourself. Is the reason why you're going back because you're lonely? Because if you left that, if you have made your move and you broke away, what's the reason of going back? You know that group of people, they're drinking that same Kool-Aid. They're believing in that same kind of church culture theology that you had to remove yourself from. And I'm not saying you shouldn't be like close with them and all that. All I'm saying is if you want to get yourself away from that stuff, you need to get your, you need to get away from that stuff. And that is hard to tell you. It's hard to say, especially if it's fresh. And if it is fresh, please, you have my condolences because I know it feels like you died. And it feels like a lot of people died in your life because they're that close to you. We have a lot of spiritual experiences that make our relationships in church very concrete. You know what I'm talking about. If you are from the ilk of a Presbyterian, I mean, I'm not, the ilk of like more of a charismatic type of a church, you could have been a Baptist, Pentecostal, Presbyterian. You know, there's a lot of different types, you know, but more of a charismatic, you know, more emotionally driven. You go to those retreats, even if you weren't, you know, you go to those retreats. You do those annual events, you go to those things, you go to those special service nights or revival nights, which is all a whole podcast of itself, my goodness. But you build these relationships that are so strong. But let me just tell you something, you you grow And unless you continue to hold on to the same kind of stuff, right, that really doesn't hold much. It doesn't age well because you change. Man, spiritual experiences in church, they are very interesting. Imagine you being vulnerable to literally some random person. The only thing that makes you feel like you are somewhat comfortable and somewhat familiar with people when you go to these group gatherings, churches, whatever, is the concept of of, oh, they're brothers and sisters in Christ. But you know they're really actually strangers. And nowadays, you got to watch out. Am I wrong? Just because you go to a church and you meet somebody and they seem to be all put together well and they're all very calm, very helpful, you got to watch out. You think I'm right or wrong? You think I'm a little going a little overboard? I don't think so. I have met the nicest church ladies and getting to know them, find out, man, they are some other kind of weird. Same thing with men. Doesn't matter what age. You got to be careful. And these spiritual experiences, when you have these, you go to, you're basically, you go to like, let's say you're a little, you're younger, right? You graduated high school, you go to college. You you know, if you're Korean, you join a KCM or even if you're not, you know, KCCC, these are campus ministries, you know, IV, right? Intervarsity, you know, intervarsity um, groups, you know, all these little church groups. You're really, it's, I mean, the argument is, you know, what's wrong with that? It's just a little social group, you know, in the end, right? in the end it's a, it's a group where people who want to like believe in the same things kind of gather and just socialize and mingle that's fine that's totally fine but i want you to really understand that when you join these groups and they have these they have these events that they hold these activities of these groups And the big reason why they hold these events is to lock you in as a member, as a group member. Proselytizing, assimilating you, you know? Bringing you into the fold, right? And that's not a bad thing at all. From a leadership position in church, it has a lot to do with finances. You need to create a structure, an infrastructure in church where people can feel like they want to be here. You know, when newcomers come to a church, they want to feel like they belong. So you get the greeters, you get the people who are a little more cuter, prettier, a little more bubbly, or bring them in as greeters and they lead them in and you know you like you feel welcome and all that. And and for the leadership it's more of cha-ching. Sorry to say, not in a bad way, right? Because you know you need a cha-ching to pay for the church property tax, the bills, you know, the missions funds, you know, all that stuff, you know, the salaries, all that staff, you know, I'm just saying. But you, you, you go to these things and they're made to invite you in. They're made to entice you. I'm sorry. Um, these groups are trained in many ways to entice you as a person to join their groups, you know? And when you I'm just saying like you you join these things because you fall for it. Sorry to say, you fall for, <laughs> you fell for it. Okay? Don't feel bad. I fell for it. I fell for it. And guess what? I fell for it even more because I did it to other people. I trained people to do that. So, no, you're not a fool unless you did the same thing I did, which is not only were you fooled into, you know, look, for me, okay, for me, not probably not for you. And so I just want to make sure I'm just saying, I'm not saying the stuff out there is wrong, okay, but for me, it's wrong. And so, in that sense, I became the biggest fool because it, I I was fooled and I was drawn in to all the machinations, all the different things that they had working, all the gears were in motion to someone like me. And in Pentecostal churches, they know how to do it. Mood lighting, turn the lights off during prayer time, you know, all these different things, turn the music up. It's weird. Let me get into that in a different topic, a different podcast, but they got me. I was the biggest fool. You know why? Because not only did I get into to the church, but I climbed up the ranks to become a leader in the church to train other people to do the same. And who's the biggest fool at that point? Knowing damn well in the back of my mind, it didn't make sense. But what happened? I was I was a lonely guy. I was, I was peer pressured in. Seriously, I wasn't really a lonely guy. I had so many friends. I think what it was is that the spiritual side of my life, which my my upbringing as a Christian, I needed to anchor that somehow. And that was the biggest identity I had was this thing in my life. Throughout my life, you know, you know, as a young kid, you know, as a kid, right? Elementary, junior high, high school, college. You know, I never really, I was the type that never really landed on one thing. And I never really identified myself as this one thing. I always kind of just jumped to different things, you know, abandoned, you know, left in, you know. And so by the time I was that age, you know, a little, you know, a young adult kind of college age, I was susceptible. I was naive. I fell for a lot of stuff. And I was like, you know what? That sounds good. That sounds good. That's, you know, and so, you know, that's what happens to a lot of us. And it's okay. That's what I'm saying. It's okay. You fall for it. But then you get into it, right? You get into it. And then they they have these things set up in there, right? Uh, Annual retreat, a winter retreat, a summer retreat, um, you know, a spring something, a fall something, a summer something, you know, a monthly men's, a monthly singles, you know, you know, all these things to make sure you stay in the church. I I mean, somebody just tell me that I'm wrong, right? Message me. ManifestChristianity at gmail.com. Message me, tell me I'm wrong. It's the truth. Leader, as a leader in the church, you need to make sure you, you you have a growing congregation so that they can hopefully give offerings and tithes. And if they're under that, you know, ilk of, oh, I understand what tithing is, then you can guarantee for the for the pastor, for the leadership, They love that new member because, oh, they understand, oh, now we will be getting 10% of this person's monthly income gross or whatever you want to say without text. And so these things are put in place for a lot of reasons and you fall for it. And so when you fall for it, you go to, let's just say you go to one of these retreats. You go to these bowling days or something and you, you meet someone. Maybe it's not a girl. Maybe it's not a romantic thing. Maybe you really genuinely meet a friend, right? You meet a friend, you meet someone that out of all the other people in that church, they kind of get you. you kind of get them. you know you talk to other people maybe and they're kind of weird, but this one person they kind of get you more and so you grow together in that church. you you know you you learn things in that church together. You become buddies. Pray for each other. Ooh. When you start praying for each other. It gets very vulnerable. That relationship. Is no longer. Hey. I kind of know you. There's a deeper bond that happens. When that happens. You start getting into each other's lives. Mind you. You're still. I would say you're still strangers. But being in the church environment being in a spiritual environment in a faith community it kind of accelerates that sometimes and it gets very dangerous and i want people to be careful and so you get these relationships you build these really because that person got you and and you're like man i think i, I believe in god now because this is good i mean i met somebody that's That's cool. I feel like I'm in a church for the right reasons, a good church to be in. But you're not there because the stuff makes sense. You're there because you somehow drawn into the community and people you like being around people. But once that speaker starts talking, you know, you want to agree with it. But there's a part of your brain. You're just like, I can't let go, you know. And you go through that. There's that wall, right? There's that wall that says, nope, nope, you're not going to believe it. You're not going to believe it. Come on now. Isn't it weird? Isn't it kind of weird? Hmm. Yeah, these things in the Bible, they're pretty weird. I mean, yeah, they're weird, but you got you to gotta give it to them. It's an ancient text. Let me tell you what's really weird. The interpretations and translations of these modern churches. Mm -hmm. You you sitting through these services. You got your buddy that you relate to. You made the friends in the church or whatever. But you listening to this stuff. And it just is not making sense to you. Oh boy, you got baptized. You You sure did. You went through the Easter baptismal Lent course. Whatever you want to call it. You know um you went through the course where they introduce you through all these arguments of why God is is real, why Jesus is real, why the church is, you know, the bride of Christ and you're just like bride of Christ? What the f? <laughs> And then you you know they're they're introducing all these things but then you're you're sitting there and all of these other people they're eating it up with a giant shovel and you're like wow I've never been the type to succumb to peer pressure but I kind of like this place I kind of like this community and so you start believing it and that wall slowly starts to crumble let me tell you something. Even though that wall crumbles, it all kind of falls to this big old mound of crumbled wall. And what that is, is the remnants that are still there in your mind, in the in your life, because you're in that church. You might have knocked that wall. That that wall might have disintegrated, that wall that stopped you from saying, You, you couldn't really believe this stuff. You know, you're going to believe this stuff. That wall has been disintegrated, but the remnants are still there. And that remnant is what I'm talking about. It's still biting at your ankles because at the end, it doesn't make sense. You you have tried so hard and you thought you got away with it. You thought you convinced yourself that, oh, um, oh, hypothetical. Just, just random. Yeah. Uh. Spiritual gifts, right? Yeah. Tongues. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um. Healing, of of, you know, physical healing by touch. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. Creation and seven days okay yeah that makes sense oh you gave me a you gave me a great argument oh yeah why should i not believe in that you know i have this great community of believers that i start. not I, I am now belonging to this community i mean they all seem to believe in it oh oh just, I, the guy was in a big old fish right I swear, it's it's all water inside of, of a fish stomach. Is there air pockets? You could breathe in the fish. Okay, okay, maybe. Okay, okay. Oh, um, you know, uh, a guy named Paul, right? He fell off a horse. He said he talked to God. Oh, he starts writing about stuff. and Oh, we shouldn't question, we shouldn't question that? Okay, okay. I believe it, I believe it. And that wall disintegrated, but it's still down there. The remnants. And correct me or not, correct me if I'm right or wrong, if I'm right or not. But every time you're by yourself, away from your church friends, away from your faith community, away from all that stuff, can you really look at yourself in the mirror and say, oh yeah, I love this church. Oh yes, I am a true Christian now. Oh, I love God and I'm seeking to follow God. Can you really do that? Look, it's, possible, it's very possible to be a very human a realist, right? You you look at the world and you, you're you real you don't want to BS, you know you can see it the way it is and you just call it like it is, you don't want to say something that doesn't make, you know, it's very possible that's somebody with a level head, just like you. Got a good head on your shoulders. Nothing wrong with you. Good logic. Hey, you never miss a beat. But it's very possible for you to actually succumb to all that, because these these groups, these places, are designed to do that. And So you were just you were just the chump for the day. I wasn't chump for. The, I'm not. I, I'm sorry that I'm talking about it in such a pejorative manner, as if it is not anything. No, look, church people finding a church, you know, getting into a group. And all, it is important. It is awesome when someone finds a group that they can relate to, and it's a faith community, and they're just like, yeah, it's great. It's a great thing. Look, I just do not want to. I don't want to dismiss any of that. But I'm talking to you. You you keep listening to this podcast for a reason. And it's because something about the things that I'm saying makes sense or maybe you just you just find it very amusing or very entertaining. If that's the point, please let me know. Please message me. But for the others you listen to this podcast, you know, You've been faking it this whole time. Just cause you wanted a group of people to belong to. Y'all ever heard of a bar? <laughs> you ever heard of, you know, like meeting people somewhere else? It does it have to be church. Ah <sighs> such a mess, huh? such a mess. So you when you when you stay in those churches, you build those relationships, you you believe in all that stuff even though you don't. And there's that stuff nibbling at your nails, the remnants of that wall that you had up, and then you just can't take it. After a little bit and some people's threshold is is, is bigger than others. Mine was 7 years. <laughs> really it was like 5 years I don't know. Some is very short. They realize and they just cannot live the lie anymore. tells you what kind of person I used to be and maybe still am now. If I could live a lie for that long, I would say for five years of my life, I was like that. Because like the first two years of my life, you know, being a um, full-time pastoral uh, staff, I don't think it was that bad. But for, you know what, yeah, yeah, no, I I was drinking the Kool-Aid. I was faking the funk. so, So seven years of my life, I basically lied to myself. Saying that, oh, yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? The pastor, he made a great argument. Oh, this person on the radio is saying similar things, made a great argument. Oh, I'm watching this thing on YouTube. It's a sermon. They're saying the same thing. It must be true. But I I have forgiven myself and I forgive. I, I hope you can forgive yourself too. Because look, it's a mistake. It was a big mistake. I was young, I was dumb, I was naive. I fell for something that, and you know, people looked at me and they're like, why would you do that? And I made a fool of myself. I embarrassed myself. You know what an altar call is? <laughs> have you ever been to an altar call? Uh, if you have, have you ever been to an altar call even after you're saved? And if you have, have you been to an altar call even after you're saved at a retreat just so you could stand next to a girl that you thought was cute? You see how this goes? And I'm, I know it's not just me. I know it's not just me. And what I want to say is it's okay. Look, we all go to these things things, go through these things for dumb reasons. We come out. Some looking a little bit more better than others. (laughs) So you come out of there. You finally break free. You You can't take it anymore. You can't take it. You can't take living that lie anymore. You start sitting through sermons. You're like, oh my Gosh, I can't believe this person saying that again. Ah, another thing about the Holy Spirit. Ah, another thing about this, and we should do this, and we should focus on this. Like, shut the F up. And so you finally just had to leave the church. But what I want to say after all that big old rant slash rabbit trail slash kind of story slash kind of description of what kind of happens generally, you leave, right? And it's hard. You say your goodbyes. You you basically make a eulogy in your heart, and you just let it go. The people, everyone just, just walked away. You actually cried. You actually got emotional because it was that important to you. And then you got some sort of Stockholm Syndrome. And you want to go back for some reason. Watch out, guys. And girls, please be careful to go back to those places that you have left. I'm not saying just to ignore them and just take them away and like leave forever and away from your mind, but going back to those places that you have left, especially so soon after you left, it's not good for you. Go ahead and try it. Let, let me know. You know, the reason why I say it's not good for you is because if you're trying to get away from that stuff, then going back to that stuff ain't, ain't gonna help. It's just gonna keep reminding you. It's just going to keep on giving you good feelings. And yeah, it's a great feeling to go back to the people you know that you love. But once again, these are the same people that believe and that, that are holding on and that are going to live a life based on just things that you don't do well with. Okay? You don't get it. So as much as those memories, as much as those adventures that 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 whole sequence of events that have happened to lead you into that church that built these relationships that lasted so long and so important you found yourself you made an identity of yourself as a Christian or all of that if you truly are still not seeing things of Christ manifesting in your life and you've been through all that. Going back to that is not going to help you manifest any kind of Christianity in your life because you haven't been seeing it in the first place and guess what? That that place isn't helping. Something about the way they taught you isn't jiving right in Unfortunately, you're not seeing the things of Christ in your life. That was a lot to talk about. That whole concept of, right? You feel bad for leaving. You feel bad for abandoning all these people. So you want to go back and just kind of let them know, hey, I'm still here. Well, if you're still here, why don't you come join us? Well, I can't do that. You know, I can't do that. It's hard leaving a church. It's hard leaving a church. I should just name this whole podcast Leaving Your Church. And every episode, I just kind of go through my my thing as a therapy, you know? So funny. Not really. <laughs> um, Let's stop it at that. Be careful going back to the places that you have left. I would say if you left the place and you weren't very much invested in that place to begin with, yeah, it's. I don't think it's a bad thing to go back. But if you were invested in that place and you have gone through something in that place and then you made a decision to leave, that's when it's not very safe to go back. I hope that makes sense. I hope that makes a little more sense, okay? So let, we'll move on from that. Oh, man. Um, there are some things that I, t- I I wrote down that I was like, oh, shit, I want to talk about this stuff, but I guess that one's going to have to wait. What I, What I really want to talk about so freaking funny so at my church basically at a lot of churches if you're not from a Korean church and this happens in your church please message me just so I know or not even church if you know people like this but in a lot of Korean churches not all of them, okay, but in a lot of them. And a lot of Korean churches are influenced with charismatic movement, which is more of a Pentecostal, more emotional, expressive, physically, outwardly expressive, um, you know, things, practices. Speaking in tongues, you know, singing, dancing loud with instruments, you know, um, singing in the spirit. I don't know what that, you know, it's just a, it's just a lot of wild stuff. I think it's funny that because I think the reason why it's funny to me is because I was there. I did exactly the same thing. And not only that, I know exact, I don't know exactly, but I I know the arguments of why people do it and what they were taught of why to do it. Okay. Maybe not everyone, but I, at least from my perspective, it's praying out loud when you're praying. It's the weirdest thing. It's the weirdest thing because it's almost as if they feel as if if they don't pray out loud. And I'm not talking about out loud, like you're screaming, but, you know, literally like, like talking like this, you know, you pray. Let me give you an example. We're having some sort of meeting for, we're doing a VBS. And it's like the leadership. We're going over to the stuff. It's like training day, right? And then at the end, we're like, okay, let's all pray as a group. One of the weirdest things that you're going to notice if you go to like these, a few of these Koreans, you pray as a group, right? In a circle or whatever. Someone, hopefully they don't, but they pull out a phone. They're like, let me get some music on. Just to, and you're just like, oh gosh, really? You're gonna pull out some music so we could pray. Am I the only one who goes through this? Am I? Am I? Am I on my own? Please message me. Please message me. Tell me you can. You can relate. It's weird. They pull out a phone and so they can have background music. Okay. Why? Yeah, I'm asking why too. I'll tell you why. Oh man, this is just like this is such a weird, weird topic. But this whole com the whole topic of praying out loud in Korean churches. I don't know how other churches got to where they get to, like to that point where they gotta pull out a phone and do it. But in the Pentecostal Holiness Church that I was a licensed minister of for a few years. From what I recollect in um, my training and blah, 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 you pray out loud because, you know, they did it in the, you know, Jesus prayed out loud in the Bible. Um, You know, the the Bible says in the Old Testament, cry out to me, right? And it's like, gosh, literally, okay. Um, Going past all that, you're praying out loud. In a leadership position wise, it's more of oh you need to pray out loud so that they know that you're praying out loud. That they know they know you're praying. It gets kind of weird though. It's like why? Why do I need to pray out loud? Why is it that in some of these Korean church circles you you pray and you can't lit my what I wanna say is it's a lot of it's a lot of um it's a lot of trust issues. It really is a lot of trust issues with leadership. If you didn't trust that I was praying already, then you wouldn't ask me to pray out loud. Um, what What is it that people need to hear other people praying out loud to make them feel comfortable? To make sure that everyone, is there a powerful presence when everyone is praying together? Don't you think that's a little vanity like that? That's a a little shallow, right? That's a little kind of image driven, right? And I think that's a lot of these Korean people, a lot of these Korean churches are, they're very much image driven. It is not the right motive, I feel. It's like, why pray out loud? Oh, it's powerful when people hear a lot of people praying out loud. So you want to, it's a marketing technique? No, you pray out loud because it's in the spirit. Okay, so we pray out loud. We we yell. Now you don't have to always yell, but you you can pray. You could you could pray in in audible. You could do that. A lot of religions do that. Okay, that's true. So, when we pray as a group. I'm going to say my prayer out loud, audibly. I'm not going to yell it, but I'm just going to talk, talk it out, speak it out. And you're next to me. You're going to speak your own prayer. You're going to speak it out. And the next person and everyone in this circle, in this Korean church, we're all going to be speaking audibly out loud, our prayers together. Why? And is that why you're pulling out a phone? Cause it gets a little uncomfortable. If it's uncomfortable, why do it in the first place? You do know that there is something called praying in silence. (laughs) You do know most people pray in their minds. And just because you're not moving your lips doesn't mean that you're not praying. And so this is weird. People gotta pray out loud. And every time I'm in these meetings, when they're praying, and like, I'm, it's a Korean church. And they're like, all right, it's time to pray. And if it's not a Korean church, I, I, for, for some reason, it's always connected with the Korean church. Even if it's multi-ethnic, they're all kind of connected in the leaders like a Korean person or they're, they're influenced by a Korean church, which all leads to the same thing. They're all praying out loud. They're like talking like this. I'm, I, I'm not trying to be sacrilegious. I'm just giving an example. You get into the prayer circle and you're like, all right, everyone, I feel God is trying to tell us to pray for um, uh, the the leadership of this church and the people that we're gonna serve. So um, this next prayer, um, let's pray that... You know, the, the pastors are given the word of God in their heart that that they won't let anything prevent that from happening, that um that that they will be provided for, that God will protect them as they prepare the word and that the people their hearts will be blessed and will be protected. And let's all pray. Let's go, let's go. Lord God, Lord God, Lord God. Thank you, thank you so much. Thank you, God. Uh thank you that I, I thank you. I pray that for the for the pastor. God, may you, may his words, may her words be be from you. May you touch the tongue when they open their mouth. you know, it gets weird. And let me tell you something, just to be honest, after literally like 10 seconds, you run out of things to pray about out loud. And it literally becomes a game of you guessing what to say next because you're like, oh no, this person's probably listening to me. and I better pray something that makes sense. When in reality, the person next to you is in the same kind of anxiety. Like, oh, I got to pray out loud. Oh no. Am I the only one who knows this? Am I the only one who experiences this? Come on now, please message me. It's weird. It's weird. It's some sort of game. Everyone is anxiety driven or, or something. Someone, I don't know what it is. You want to out pray someone else? You want to talk louder? You want to make sure your prayer is more noble and it's more prayerful than everyone as everyone else is. So you pray out loud. We can't even hear what they're praying if we're praying out loud. It's a weird, it's a weird phenomenon. And if this happens at your church or your, your group, your spiritual group, and you're not Korean, please message me. I want to know, because all I know is that I don't, I never seen this at another church. Actually, no, I have seen it at, at um, a non-Korean church, but it was weird. Yeah, they do it too. It's weird. And it, it comes to the point where it's like, why are we, why are we all praying out loud? I, th- I come to one stance is that the Korean church is well known for having that loud uh, communal prayer. It's, it's a Korean term. I don't know what it is. But if you haven't heard of it, just Google it. You know, search it up. You, you'll see. It's well known in the Christian communities all around. The global Christian community is well aware of Korean prayer, which if you ever get to a church that does these things... During prayer time, everyone is literally yelling and praying, quote unquote, some in praying in tongues and others just literally yelling their prayers. And it's like it's a cathartic event. It's almost like they're just trying to get it off their chest. And I am in the suspicion that along the way, you know, as that phenomenon kind of started to wane in the public media image, at least in the Christian world image. Koreans kind of held on to that pride of, oh, we're known for this thing. We're known for being allowed prayers. We're known because they every time people see our prayers, like, wow, what a powerful experience. Wow, I'm shaken by so many people with all their passion praying. Am I the only one? Come on now. And I think I'm under suspicion that these other groups... They have fallen away from thinking that that yelling kind of prayer is all that. They're kind of embarrassed about that, but they somehow are sticking to it. They stick to the praying out loud idea. So instead of yelling, they kind of talk it. And they're praying out and they're, they're praying. It's funny because this church. Every time that I'm leading the prayer, I literally tell everyone because I hate that. I hate when I'm praying and everyone's praying like that. I'm like, where does that even come from? Okay. So every time I lead, quote unquote, lead a prayer, I literally tell everyone, let's pray in silence for the next few moments. And when I do that, it's so interesting that like basically everyone in that prayer meeting are so uncomfortable. They're like, oh, there's no music. Oh, I'm like, you have been disabled by this grand type of prayer idea. You think that's the only way to pray and look at you. You can't even pray in silence. The hell is wrong with you? Am I the only one who feels like this? Have you ever seen this stuff? Have you ever thought it was weird? Listen, I come from that church. So you can't tell me why they do it because I know what it is. I've experienced how powerful it is. Whoa. whoa, whoa. But it's like people praying to impress other people. That's don't you think that's a little weird and motive. We're going to pray out loud so that we can make a presence. We're going to pray out loud. So people can hear that. We love. It's weird. The motive is weird. Like the reason for doing it is weird. And I just had to share that because I was kind of in a little prayer circle a few times the past few weeks. And I always thought it was. And the thing is, I would be there and I don't do it. I don't partake in it. I'm just like, I'm not going to try to make up a prayer on the spot and run out of words to say. And so now I'm just kind of grabbing at different ideas and praying for, uh, and, uh, pray for this pastor and uh, this elder. Oh, yeah, and the children's program. And oh, uh, the, the college needs this. And, the, and then you're, you're just literally grabbing at the air. He just stop it. You can trust that others can pray in their hearts, in their minds. And if they don't, what's it to you? If people start falling asleep during the prayer circle time, what's it to you? Gosh. Like, you need to have this full control. You need to make sure that everyone is praying at the same rate, at the same spirit, like the same everything. Like, you know, it's not. That's not going to happen. So, has that happened to you? Have Do you understand what I'm talking about? Is this familiar? Do you have a different view of that? I'm not going to argue, but you could definitely share with me. I would love to hear your thoughts. Send them to manifestchristianity at gmail.com. Wow, that was a lot. Let's go and do our Bible study, which isn't really a Bible study. I basically read the Bible to you. (laughs) And then at the end, if I have time, like, oh, these things are interesting and that thing's funny and this thing, I try to poke stuff. So Mark chapter 7. Once again, NRSV. Here we go. a short one. Now when the Pharisees and some of the scribes who had come from Jerusalem gathered around him, they noticed that some of his disciples were eating with defiled hands, that is, without washing them. For the Pharisees and all the Jews do not eat unless they thoroughly wash their hands, thus observing the tradition of the elders. And they do not eat anything from the market unless they wash it. And there also are also many other traditions that they observe, the washing of cups, pots, and bronze kettles. So the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why do you your disciples not live according to the tradition of the elders, but eat with the defiled hands? He said to them, Isaiah prophesied rightly about you hypocrites, as it is written, This people honors me. With their lips, but their hearts are far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching human precepts as doctrines. You abandon the commandment of God and hold to human tradition. Then he said to them, You have a fine way of rejecting the commandment of God in order to keep your tradition. For Moses said, Honor your father and your mother, and whoever speaks evil of father or mother must surely die. But you say that if anyone tells father or mother whatever support you might have had for me is korban, that is an offering to God, then you no longer permit doing anything for a father or mother, thus making void the word of God through your tradition that you have handed on. And you do many things like this. Then he called the crowd again and said to them, listen to me, all of you, and understand there is nothing outside a person that is going, to def- going in can defile. But the things that come out are what defile. When he had left the crowd and entered the house, his disciples asked him about the parable. He said to them, Then do you also fail to understand? Do you not see whatever goes into a person from outside cannot defile, since it enters not the heart, but the stomach, and goes out into the sewer? Thus he declared all foods clean. Hmm. And he said, It is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, envy, slander, pride, folly, all these evil things come from within and they defile a person. From there he went out. From there he set out and went away to the region of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know he was there, yet he could not escape notice. But a woman whose little daughter had an unclean spirit immediately heard about him and she came and bowed down at his feet. Then he returned from the region of Tyre and went by way of Sidon toward the Sea of Galilee in the region of the Decapolis. They brought to him a deaf man who had an impediment in his speech and he begged him to lay his hand on him. He took him aside in private, away from the crowd and put his fingers into his ears and he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Aphatha, that is, be opened and immediately his ears were open, His tongue was released, and he spoke plainly. Then Jesus ordered them to tell no one, but the more he ordered them, the more zealously they proclaimed it. They were astounded beyond measure, saying, He has done everything well. He even makes the deaf to hear and the mute to speak. Wow. Um... Ah, not much. You know, kind of stuff is already explained. It's interesting. um, They kind of give their own commentary here on verse 19. At the end of Jesus' kind of statement, the parentheses, thus he declared all foods clean. Isn't that interesting? Yeah, it's in the Bible. Yeah, unclean spirit. Jesus uh, insulting, you know, the Syrophoenician, you know, even, you know, uh, let the children be fed first, for it's not fair to take the children's food and throw it to the dogs. eh, Kind of controversial, but, you know, the commentaries somehow figure out with many hoops to kind of make it seem like it's not that bad. That's my take on it. Um, the deaf man, it's a weird thing. Put his fingers in the ear. He spit, touched his tongue. Man, don't do that to me. Hey, you know what? If I was deaf, it might not be. Hey, anything help, right? Listen, I'm gonna get out of here. Looks looks like I have nothing else to say about this. I'm glad that you are with me. Um sorry if I don't have any more podcast episodes for about a week or two after this. Um yeah, it's getting really busy at work. Um God, it's it's very busy working in Hollywood on a TV show, especially with this new all the new regulations after COVID stuff. So I got to take tests. I got to There's a lot of new things happening, a lot more responsibility, a lot more on my plate too. So yeah. But, um, thanks for, thanks for listening to me, everyone. Please subscribe. If you have questions, comments, feedback, you want to share something, you want to give me, show me a picture. You want to send me a, a voice recording. You want to, You know, ask me anything. Hey, send them all to manifestchristianity at gmail.com. All right. Hey, everyone, thank you so much for joining me once again. I hope you're getting something out of this. I hope it's helping. Because I know how hard it is. When when you have to go through the process. But, hey, I swear we're going somewhere with this. And before I just get out, let me just tell you, it's hard. But when you get to the point where things of Christ is manifesting, then then you're going to be like, wow. I had to go through that. It was kind of worth it. It was kind of necessary. So, hey, look, stay strong. Okay? Stay strong. am not going to say it gets easier, but you feel more free as you keep staying strong. You continue to feel more free, as sad as it is sometimes. Okay? Hey, until next time, have a great one. You have been listening to Manifest Christianity with Cephas Crosslet.